Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, the show about all things content.ai, .net, and Azure for people who want to learn more about headless technology. And now, here's your host, Brian McKeever. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Content Rocks Podcast. As the intro said, uh, this is Brian McKeever. I'm your host. And very pleased today to be joined by a couple esteemed colleagues and actually a little bit of a friend. I've known Chris for some time, but a lot we're a little bit newer relationship. So uh, guys, uh, today we're going to be talking about your tool that you've created, this real content plugin for Figma and connecting content out of your CMS or other content repositories. And very excited to show it off. But before we get into the full aspect of things, you know, Crucial, why don't you guys introduce yourselves quickly? Because I think this is the first time you've been on the show. Yeah, it is. Hi, Brian. Thanks uh, for having us here. Uh, I, I've been also, like yourself, been building digital stuff for a long, long time um, and uh, really been very, very uh, taken with this decoupling of content and and presentation, um, front end and back end um, a separation that has uh, really enabled this whole headless move. We've been working with both monolithic um, implementations as well as uh, hybrid and now headless implementations for some time. And we noticed some some missing pieces and parts in that process that has uh, it led us to, um, uh, to, to start up some innovation uh, programs uh, around that. And that's where Allah came in. Allah uh, joined us as our head of innovation. Uh, Allah. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us. Uh, I am Alal Wish. I'm uh, heading the Innovation Labs team here. As Chris has mentioned, we're helping our content strategy and content engineering teams uh, by developing some uh, tools and plugins. Uh, and real content, the tool we're going to see today uh, is one of them. So nice to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think, Chris, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, right? You've been in and around content and heard all the terms, content operations, content modeling, content strategy. You guys are kind of going off this, this pioneering term of, of content intelligence. Do, do you want to talk about that just quickly as well? Because I'm very interested in, in you know, why you call it that. Sure. Yeah. Content intelligence is, is really the effect that happens when our, our content is, is structured and semantically enriched and able to be presented in ways that allow uh, the, the, the content to be presented in relationship or response to a customer need and tend to receive information back from the customer and then change what we present to the customer based on that data that we're receiving back. And so that back and forth of um, uh, assembled presentation of component content uh, into these kind of composable experiences. That really is the outcome of, of, a, of, of a content intelligence program. Um, we see content intelligence as being born out of a number of practices, content engineering, content strategy, and content operations. Um, content engineering deals with the structure uh, of, of content itself, how, how it's organized logically in containers within the application, the API, and the presentation layers. Uh, and then also uh, content uh, operations is how all of that ends up working uh, within process and systems and governance and, um, and the organization of the people uh, that, that work with a content supply chain 
Um, so we work with a lot of enterprises that deal with content transformations where they're, they need to localize it for many languages or it has to go through regulatory and medical or legal reviews or it has to be um, you know, worked through different departments for, for different enrichment. Um, so there's a process by which things happen and that's the operation side. And of course, strategy deals with how is our content being used and, and, um, and is, it, is it generating a monetizable value and how does this portfolio all work together across a lot of customer experiences, usually across a lot of channels. And so we've, we've really spent uh, you know, a good amount of time uh, putting together uh, these kinds of programs for clients. Um, the, um, that, that kind of transformation uh, work is, is, is a core of um, what we do. The implementation work is, is uh, for, for us is, um, uh, is, is a backdrop against these, these kind of practices that uh, are helping organizations kind of think, think kind of comprehensively across departmental organizations about how content gets done. Um, right, so. right. Fantastic. And all those terms definitely apply to having, you know, a great headless CMS to back it up like content.ai, which is kind of why we're all here today, because we want to show the listeners. And if you're, if you're watching, even the, maybe the one early stage of this, when you're working on a prototype on design with a tool like Figma and, you know, we'll, we'll show that in a little bit, but, but generally I think that this is a, a step that most people don't know about, which is why I invited you guys to be on the show to talk about it. And I know you have some slides prepared, so we can kind of dive right into kind of why real content exists maybe, and maybe a lot, then you can kind of show us all, demo it, talk about how you created it and how people can use it. And, and then we'll end up with eventually, if you're interested, you know, how people can check it out. But I will add to the stream here, the slides that you've got created. And, cool. you know, Bruce, I would say, take it away, you know, what do we have? Okay. Well, yeah, it's it's something that many of us in digital development have been working toward for a long time, which is um, integration between design, development, and content in in ways that help the end product of the digital property, um, you know, work in a way that is integrated across, uh, you know, really not only the disciplines, but also the layers of the stack that are working with the components that we're building. And when everything was monolithic and all the web pages were static uh, or, you know, built on at least fixed templates, um, then it was a lot easier for things to happen in silos, uh, for there to be sort of like a design process that happens where then things are kind of statically created in a prototype and then handed off. Uh, and then, and then development uh, works with whatever comes out of out of that uh, design process, and and content folks kind of get sandwiched in uh, the middle there, um, or or worse, content is forgotten and not even thought about to the end of that process back in those old days, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and, and even today, I mean, you know, we there, there's um, there's plenty of new builds that where the the content is kind of an afterthought still, um, and and so there's there's really a, a big problem when you're dealing with component-oriented design that is also really needing to work with content components. If there's no planning around the content, 
then there's a ton of break breaking events and there's a ton of rework and there's a ton of like chasing, you know, each, each kind of handoff point chasing its tail uh, with, with the person they were supposed to get it from in order to, uh, in right. order to you know, cycle it to something they can use. Um, and, and so our, our goal in, 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 you know, making this, this shift towards component content as part of prototyping is to get the teamwork together between design and development. Um, and this mess of a slide is basically just talking about the way it works today. Um, you know, sadly, there's um, a, a whole lot of content modeling that's happening in a totally ad hoc way. Um, you know, I know, I know your team works on modeling ahead of the game, and, and I know a lot of uh, headless uh, implementation teams that are content centric think about the model before the build, but inside the enterprise and inside a lot of teams, we've seen really that, that a lot of times it's driven entirely by design. Um, and so what ends up happening is all of those, those uh, like what gets presented and how it gets laid out is dictating the content model. So mm -hmm. basically the content model is happening because somebody put a design in place and then, and then that's kind of then being replicated in the CMS. Um, but meanwhile, the authors are also having to work on content and they're creating essentially a logical content model of, okay, well, there's, you know, uh, going to be a headline and there's going to be a, um, an offer title and an offer ID, and I'm going to need to be able to tag it so I can present it. And so they're coming up with stuff as well, sometimes in a spreadsheet, um, and, you know, or a document like a word doc, Google doc. And those are kind of ad hoc models as well. So those models aren't getting reconciled and, and the prototype isn't matching the content. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's sounding familiar. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a project where a designer lays out like a product detail page, right? And there's maybe some feature bullet points underneath a tab. And then we go back to the implementation team and you know maybe they're pulling information from a PIM or an ERP, and they go, oh, "We don't, we don't have that that field of information. We don't have that separated. It's just one giant description field." And all of a sudden, you, you know, it's what you said. It's like there's this other field or element or whatever you want to call it that just has to come from somewhere, and people tend to just kind of either make it up or, or jam it in or or ignore it. Yeah, ignore it until until somebody somewhere notices after it's in CSS that, oh my gosh, we forgot. And, and, and then the weird thing that happens with a lot of these things is break, it breaks after real content, it hits real content. Like, yep. like, and so if it breaks after it hits real content, that's normal. But if it doesn't get tested with real content until it's already through development, you're, you're what ends up happening is you end up redoing all the site parts of the cycle, which creates a whole, which delays the project, creates a bunch of added cost, and creates a bunch of sort of team friction. That's really not needed because right. if everybody's working against the same components, you know, then then we're we're sort of able to design things like a kitchen team could if they had a set of standard ingredients or whatever. Like there's a 
Um, so everybody can create different recipes with it, but they all know what they're working with. And, and there's an agreement on how the kitchen sort of functions. And so that's really what we're looking at in this new approach, which is instead of doing all these rework and instead of doing all of this disjointed handoff, instead of having everything be static and then break later and then have to be redone, it's, you know, really define that content model ahead of time. We have another tool where we won't be looking at today, but that's called schema flow that basically lets you, if you want, design the content model independently, and then you can import it to content AI. So that way you can, you can, um, map it out in Figma or FigJam and, and collaborate on it. And then, and then, um, we have a AI tool that lets you kind of build it out to schema.org, um, uh, attributes and whatnot. Um, and then you can actually import that uh, as a JSON into into Content AI. And once once it's once the headless CMS is configured, once once that actually is uh, got the model, at that point you're through real content connecting the the content into um, to Figma. Even if the content doesn't exist, or even if it's coming from multiple other sources, the goal is here is to have it meet inside of a dynamic prototype in Figma that's using real content from the component structure. If the component structure needs to change along the way, no problem. You can, you can still, designers still have the flexibility to do whatever they want in Figma and they can make things static if they want in Figma because some designers want it, hey, I just want it to look this way. But they can they can also have other elements, and Allah will show this, that are dynamically connected uh, to the, the headless so that it can change and be variable. And you can look at the variation, uh, you know, dynamically in the experience with if you're showing a client or if teams are showing each other, they're working together. And then that way, you're creating the content structure and the design at the same time collaboratively in a way that allows people to then have an outcome that everybody can depend on and everybody's been a stakeholder in, um, in order to kind of, kind of uh, make the development a lot smoother. Does that make sense as an approach? It, it does. And I, I think you point out a lot of value there in terms of having everyone be on the same page from maybe a discovery team, a design team, and actually even into implementation, right? Because you're all working off that same content model. And if changes need to happen, I think the other aspect is you can update in maybe one or two places and suddenly that new change can go all the way back to the design pretty easily, as well as if you have maybe a portion of the site built or whatever you're building. So I think that, you know, the, the idea of we're going to work in all of the phases with real content is incredibly important to a successful project. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you can you can continue to iterate the model. Um, it's it be, but it's a living process. Um, that way, the that way there's attention being paid to the model rather than it being an accident that has to get reconciled later. And and but you can do it in a way that's visual. It doesn't have to be like oh, it's that specification that nobody looks at. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, yep. You know, it's 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 a living thing that's part of Figma, um, and and it's not an abstracted boxes and arrows. It's like the the content elements, um, like either by field name or or the content itself. So you, you're pulling the actual title or 
Well, I do, I do have a feeling that the three of us could probably sit here for a good hour or two hours just talking about the process and the concepts. Yeah, and yeah. that'd be fantastic. But that, I don't know how many people are going to watch the whole thing. So yeah, let's look uh, at it. Let's maybe at let's it. look at it. Let's dive into it. And I'll uh, let me see. Allah, if you want to take over, share screen, I can throw that up on the feed and talk us through it. I think that'd be a fantastic way to do it. Yeah, thank you, Brian and Cruz. Uh, let me go ahead and share screen here. Um, all right. Just to confirm, can you see my Figma? I can, I can. Perfect. Okay. So uh, today we'll be looking at the uh, um, the default sample project that comes with Content AI, uh, the the coffee project, and we'll be building like a, a website uh, with uh, articles and some coffee products. So we'll start by opening real content. You can find real content by just searching real content under plugins, and uh, you just run uh, the plugin. My project is connected already, so. Uh, I don't have to connect it again, but it's it's pretty simple to connect. You just need to copy in the uh, project ID from content.ai so that you give real content uh, uh, read uh, read only access to the, the project. And with that, you can browse the types uh, that are in the in the headless uh, in content.ai. Uh, and uh, you can see the elements within these types over here. And then you can also see the content sources. So let's let's assume that you're starting with, you know, a prototype like this, and you want to link this to the uh, the headless to content data I. All you need to do is to select element, the design element, and uh, click this replace button. This replace button will actually um, link this design element to the content element. It will create a link and it will replace the content. I can do the same for the image over here and the the other the other elements in in my design. So, so let me just let, let a quick interject right there, and I want to give you guys a round of applause for actually just making that happen so easily. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've had to work with clients and and people on the projects to like, can you just get us a real image to put in the designs, and how hard it is, and the fact that you can just pull it in from the headless CMS and it instantly appears. That alone is, is pretty darn cool. So I'm excited already. Yes, absolutely. And yet, you know, if, if you're starting with something this, you know, uh, just uh, browsing the content this way, or you can also, uh, to your point, just browse whatever you have there. So you can drag and drop everything, uh, you know, in that type and see the all, all of the elements, uh, you know, uh, and, and to get to know, you know, what what is the content you will be working with? You will be designing if the content is is already there, and then you can of course uh, swap between different sources and and browse the content there. So uh, I have actually here linked uh, the other elements in my design, and because these uh, you know these all of these elements are linked, now uh, I can copy the whole design and you know swap the the content to another uh, a content uh, entity and see you know uh, how my de design flexes and can easily uh, generate uh, different uh, content and stress test my design 
you know, fix any issues. One thing to highlight here, go ahead. Okay, it's really cool. I, I love how, you know, you're using the word stress test to design and seeing multiple iterations. You did that in about, I don't know, three and a half seconds. And I would challenge <laughs> uh, other designers to do that manually that fast. Uh, but, I, I, and, you know, just for maybe a project stakeholder or someone looking to approve designs, seeing it maybe one, two, three ways for an article landing page like this or an article detail, that's, that's fantastic. That's another uh, very cool thing that you can do with this. Yeah, and we were just looking at it with a um, uh, with a, a client in the um, grocery business, and they had uh, you know a, many many complex interfaces with uh, different recipes and offers and promos, all you know needing to dynamically uh, update, and they have to they they need to stress test those designs across platforms. Uh, and, and these are lots and lots of, of modules, basically components that are all um, being uh, reused with different content items. In this case, they're able to test uh, very, very quickly and just swap out all of the content that, that is in an interface across their entire ecosystem of uh, uh, platforms um, within, uh, within one Figma canvas uh, using the plugin very, very quickly, whereas something like that would take a whole day or more uh, for, for somebody to just to copy and paste out if they wanted to, to, to test even one other item, let alone, you know, the whole, the whole set of content. So it, it really does speed things up. Right. And think about like, say they do that, say they make six or seven manual copies and then somebody wants to make a change. Going back and having to do that manually is just so much extra labor for no I mean, this just basically does it for you. Yes, yes, and and also um, talking about refreshing the content. If you know if the content is being changed in the headless, we have this refresh button over here. You can refresh the content, um, the design. We it will not automatically refresh, but you can anytime select and refresh, uh, and you can also see you know the the items that are selected, the items that are linked. Uh, and and you can unlink some items as Chris has mentioned and make it like you know the um, uh, attach from from the the content entity there. So refreshing refreshing generating like you know different uh, designs or testing the designs with with different content entities is one one of the key uh, values of using con uh, real content. And I wanted to mention something highlight on the the support we support. We support rich text fields uh, like these items are bold in, in content.ai. So we render, we transform the rich text into like Figma layers here. Uh, we support also, you know, uh, hierarchies or let's say referenced, referenced uh, contents. For, for example, the author here is another type. And uh, you know when you when you drag and drop the author, it will bring the the elements of the nested type as well, so that you can design with the uh, you know uh, the reference reference entities as well. Very cool, very cool. So the the components basically can be rendered in rich text. You can bring in linked items or modular contents, which is a key value of of content.ai and why we like to use it so much. And and this is. You know, correct if I'm wrong, but like literally, the it's nothing special you need to set up in content AI. It's really the one thing you mentioned is just the project ID 
And then exactly. would you do you support like the like preview content as well with the preview API? Yes. Yes, that, yeah, we supported that in the in the last release uh, last week actually. Um, uh, we support now both uh, production and draft uh, or review content. So if you're you know you can you you can work mostly with with both uh, workflows. Awesome, that's cool. That's very good to hear. Yeah, and languages as well, which for some teams is a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, where where if, if the team is dealing with uh, you know, how their design is going to look in, uh, like, for example, German, where the words get really long or whatever. And, and so it's, it really changes the design and how the, how, how the, how everything works. And so you can create, um, you know, a lot of not only stress testing for layout, but stress testing for, for language as well. Super important. Yep. I agree. Yeah, and you know, working with uh, with components is also uh, uh, one of the, the the key values of using um, real content. So if you have if you have a component um, uh, like this component over here, uh, it's not actually just a card. I can make it a component. I I can simply as uh, we've seen, we just you know link the elements. So link the title, link the other elements um, uh, to to the model. Uh, or to the, the content systems, uh, and then we can, uh, you know, make this a component, um, you know, a design component. And now this design component is dynamic. So uh, I want to have the related article section here, so I can copy and uh, into here and have like, um, you know, instances of this component, and I can easily, you know, swap uh, and uh, also, you know. Uh, the, the content of these components will be dynamic and that, that will save the designer a lot of time because they don't have to create you know multiple variables of the same component they can create one component and then uh, you know only swap the content that's really cool I, I yeah I mean I almost don't even know what to say about how fast you put together that related article section um, I I'm sold I, I'm totally sold uh, I'm definitely something that I want my team to maybe possibly start using. Maybe we should talk a little bit about um, how would someone go about finding it and using it? And is there is it free? Is there a license model? What are, what are you guys planning for people who want to use it who are interested? Yeah, there's a free download. And, and literally, if you're in Figma, you just go to plugins and, and search real content. You can download it right away, try it right away. Um, free to try. And uh, you can use the, the demo content that's in there, um, uh, or you can use uh, the Sheets feature, the Google Sheets. So if you want to use Google Sheets as an ad hoc data source, even let's say you don't even have your license set up for your headless, you can you can actually start using dynamic content out of uh, a spreadsheet, um, okay. you know, and and uh, and then uh, migrate uh, to uh, the connection. Uh, so we only charge once you have a live connection to the uh, to the CMS, and then it's just a per uh, a per user license. Um, and we're working out a partner model. So for anybody who's who's a, a, a you know reseller um, that kind of thing, you can uh, talk to us. We'll we'll come up with a way to um, to provide discounted licenses for your team, and then provide a way for for you to be able to provide it to your clients as well. So okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, guys, we're a little over, so I'm thinking I'm going to let us all go at this point. Uh, but fantastic demo. Thank you a lot for that very much. Uh, Cruz, as always, great talking to you uh, also. Um, if people do have questions, though, is it do you, do you want them to just push them to like the website that talks about or do you want them to email, Twitter? How, how would they get a hold of you if you want to find out more? Yeah, well, take, take a look at the um, here. I'll show you this this slide 17 here up on that one. Yeah, that's got the info at schematica.io is a good way to email us. Uh, you can try it out on schematica.io. You can take a look at at the, uh, the overview sort of product sheet up there. Um, uh, or you can just download it on the Figma store. Um, and and you can learn more about A at simplea.com. So, um, you know, that's that's all different ways to get in, in touch. But we'd be happy to, to hear. You can reach out on LinkedIn as well. Um, happy to connect and uh, and talk about UX and component content, composable design, and all of that stuff. It's uh, we're really excited about about this world. It's evolving all of the time, and and it's uh, it's fun to see uh, design and development coming together. So. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate it, uh, everyone. This has been the Content Rocks podcast, and we will talk to you all next time. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.